Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. When humanity marches to war. The news was terrifying to those with the context to understand it. There was a small throwaway line within the news report on the general state of expensive conflict. The Solar Federation has announced that it is joining the embattled Straxis Alliance after a number of unwelcome threats about neutrality payments that were made by the Empire of Quam. The current war was a regional conflict over a number of issues arising from a complicated legislative structure of the border planet then had spun out of a matter of honor. Fighting has been going for some time, as both sides chose to organize battles on agreed grounds and with trained, paid warriors. The Straxis were losing ground, each time their defeat pushing them back, less selection of ground and fewer soldiers, and a more strained economy. Quan had a long history of raising military lineages, and there were many well-bred figures within the command structure. Their resplendent accolades born proudly, Nearly nobody really knew of how humans fought. They were a small species who kept their history secret from the wider galactic races. It was assumed that they would be competent based on their biology and civilian engineering, but with no reserve of honor or leverage. Humanity would have a difficult time negotiating advantageous situations. The Amgoria had uplifted humanity and had obtained significant honor from their easy rapport with the new species and facilitation of trade and cultural exchange. Interestingly, the Amgoria had only exported certain artworks and media, leading many to assume humanity had stunted cultural experience. Being closer to the beasts than sentience, this couldn't have been further from the truth, but talks between the Umagali and the humanity had led to a mutually agreed embargo on ideologically revolutionary materials that humanity had produced. Some of these works had been studied by the trusted Umagali scholars, and that was why a small meeting of Straxis, humans, and facilitating Umagali has occurred. The translators were in place, the Umagali opened up proceedings, Welcome, honored Straxis, and our condolences for the loss of such in the fleet conflicts. Welcome, humans, close friends. The purpose of this meeting is to discuss a military alliance. Humanity has been subject to several threatening overturns from Quam about the neutrality payments. Given the proximity to current conflict, they wish to ally with you and your own species. The Straxis were dumbfounded. Humanity had no stake here, and simply paying the admittedly reasonable request of material and labor would form a basis for a small and young species' honor amongst the galactic civilizations. Excuse me, humans, but why do you not simply pay? With no honor currently, joining this war, as small as you are, will simply result in many losses and your federation losing all possible influence. The Straxis relaxed back into their pods, awaiting a response from the humans. The humans were quiet, and a long moment passed before one reached below the table and pulled out a data slate. 
helpfully presented it to the Straxian language. It was slid across the table with no introduction or explanation. The art of war. Our translation must be faulty. Do you mean the beauty of victory? The verb tenses can be difficult. This is a text written long ago by a civilization standard. It's a text on philosophy of the art of battle. The methods by which it is won, though correctly state that we have no honor amongst the other races. We do not fight for honor. We never have. We fight to win. To be the last one standing, by whatever means that we can utilize, to crush and destroy our foes. The short speech rocked the Straxes, and even the Umgali, accustomed to the censored media humanity had of its internal conflicts, were quietly impressed at the confident force and which the words were projected. The human continued, When the Umgali first met our species, they attempted to learn about us. We were welcomed and taught. We traded and exchanged cultures. When the Quam first contacted us, it was a demand for tribute and a threat of force. Humanity rejected both. The, now that we meet the Straxus and we offer our strength in our fires of war against the common foe. The air hung thick and still before the Straxus responded. You earn much honor by offering to ally with us against the superior force over such an idealistic principles. But our fear shall have to be lost upon the battlefield. Regardless, we welcome your aid and camaraderie in defeat is a grace. We will not lose. We regret the insult by accusation. But the Quam don't understand the first thing about war. We shall attack them within hours of your agreeing to this alliance. Our estimations show that their encamped army in the Quasarg Highlands can easily be destroyed. Yes, all four million of them. The Straxus looked at each other nervously. The human was insane. There was no way that an army could march up to those highlands. The terrain was unfavorable, and the defense of the Quam far too strong. By the time the messengers requesting battle got there, the time was agreed upon and the Quam ready to allow you to attack. They would be fully committed to the defenses, as they always were. The Straxus could not allow humanity to do something so foolish. The human cut them off. We accept your alliance, as if, as far as we are concerned, you are allied with us this day. We are going to attack the Quan in a few hours anyway. If you see the results and wish to rise with us, then we shall agree to have the documents supporting it. The humans rose up and one walked out of the room, leaving some highly confused Straxus and the Umgali. Do not be worried. The Umgali broke the unease. The humans understand war far better than you think. They view it differently. How do humans view war? It is to be civilized, a contest of arms or honor, and graceful acquittal of the field of battle by the defeated. Humans, they say that they fight to win. They do not fight to agreed times with agreed forces. They impose battle upon the enemy. We do not know how they'll do so against the Quam of the Quazak Highlands, but we suggest that you observe. The Straxus camped in the relatively near to the Highlands, powerful optical scopes watching bore the marching dust of the human army. They were not even aware that the humans had landed upon the planet, much less had any army of sufficient size. It was one lookout who spotted a meteor swarms descending lines of burning rock illuminating the atmosphere entry. An ill omen for battle. As the seconds passed, the meteor swarm was clearly not natural. There were far too many trails, all descending straight down. 
Seemingly, information, optical scope power has increased significantly and the images resolved. Cone-shaped objects with wide, blunt bottoms were glowing white-hot as they slammed through the atmosphere. Each object slammed into the rock within an explosive larger than the Straxes had seen. The craters of the objects had made in the very middle of the Quam encampment, and it was only an hour or so until dawn. The camp quiet until the rent by the assault. If this was how the humans fought, it would take many, many of these objects to win the battle, for despite their impacts, the numbers of Quam were still immense. It was then that the objects cracked and fell open like a flower of death, explosions and flashing being followed by Quam falling all around the impact. Standing up in the middle of the crater was an enormous figure, four meters tall, with four metallic legs joined into a low-slung body from which rose an angry-looking structure, festooned with what must be weapons, metallic pipes that spat explosions faster than they could count. What few Quam were awake and ready grabbed their swords and spears, charging, but could not close in quarters before they were being struck down by explosives from the machines that did not even touch them. It was a sight the Straxes had etched into their memories, the nightscape lit up by burning fires glinting off the dulled metal machines that stalked through the Quam encampment, explosions from the unknown weapons striking the Quam down as welcome as the warlike as plague, yet as ruthlessly effectively delivering death and destruction. It was this that the Umgali had known would occur and that had terrified them. The Straxes quaked as such an impertinent destruction and fearfully transmitted that they would very much like to be allies. Humanity did not fight for honor. Humanity did not fight by the rules. Humanity warred for pure gold victory through complete destruction. Now, humanity marched to impose war, regardless if Quam agreed or not. End of story. Story number two. Living Effigies, written by Rhino Bird. Friend human, how are you able to do that? Clicksnort asked. Do what? countered Jeff. Make this wooden effigy become, um, alive? Clicksnort gestured to the dummy. How does it work, you mean? replied Jeff. Now there's little levers and things inside. Jeff flipped the dummy over and exposed the gory viscera within. I know it is merely an approximate representation of a human carved from three carcasses. However, as you were manipulating it, I compiled to believe that it was another person. Oh, that was ventriloquism. That's just something that I picked up as a kid. It's a minor hobby. I just takes practice. I'm afraid I'm not very good at it. There has been more than just manipulation of an effigy. Fixnort eyed the human warily. There is. You need to think about the character. There is a backstory and personality. Then you have to have the doll act out the responses that the character would make. So you develop a new persona in your mind and use the effigy as an avatar. Sort of. I mean, I can run a conversation between myself and my Wally in my head. I know Wally well enough that I can have him do an actual conversation with random people. And I really wish you would stop doing it too, said Wally. Humans are able to willfully induce a secondary personality in their brains. It's not quite as involved as that. I don't have a multiple personality disorder or anything. Just know Wally well enough that he's an extension of me. I am an extension of you. Why don't you have a personality? quipped Wally. 
Multiple personality disorder. Humans do have a condition where more than one mind occupies the physical body. It is rare, but it happens. How do you know that you do not have this condition? How is Wally not a symptom of that condition? I'm right here. Condition? Eh. Wally scoffed. Well, Wally isn't involuntary. He only comes up when I think about him. When I'm not doing the bit, he's not doing anything in the back of my mind. That's what you think, nerd boy. Me and the boys in the back have a pool going on and how long it will take you to crack. Wally turned to Clicksnort. I have fifty dollars in three months. Fascinating. End of story. Story number three. Humans are weird. Colonel. Twenty-seventh cousin stared at the data pad in front of her and laid her dusky orange roll tight down against her neck. She rattled the mandibles together and finally leapt out from the crouch. She would simply have to find a human. She stepped out of her office and pricked her roll in a compassionate frustration as the other twenty-seventh cousin stationed in the small college. She returned to the greetings and her green frill. Have you seen any humans? Twenty-seventh cousin asked, fluttering her frill to indicate a very recent time frame. Second brother is preparing the ground transport in the mechanical bay. They were twenty-seventh cousin replied. Gratitude, twenty-seventh cousin bobbed her head respectfully and snapped out lightly. She found the human exactly where she had been told, bent in a nearly undulate manner into the engine compartment of a boxy green ground transport. She was about to greet him, but caught a glimpse of his base defensive covering and clicked in annoyance at the stitched markers on his arm guards. Humans did not use the same naming system that they did. That is why she was here after all. She'd pulled up a translation screen and readied the sound file which she needed. She waited until his head was out of the metal chamber before tapping her talons lightly on the concrete floor. Hey, he glanced over at her in a strange, fleshy face contorting into a hilarious motion called a grin, even as he wiped his stubby hands with a biofiber rag. Tenth sister, right? I am 27th cousin, she said, lowering her frill and disapproval at the attempted flattery. Right, right, uh, he said, uh, which one now? The linguist, she replied, and you are private crimes. I never denied it, he said with another grin. She paused a moment, tilting her head to the side as she passed the question. Are you capable of aiding me with a matter of translation? She finally asked. I can speak English pretty good, he said. She tried not to leap back in shock when his primary arm-attached joint suddenly shifted up several inches. Were humans even attached under that pliable skin? She shook off the discomfort and held up the datapad. How do you pronounce this word? She asked. He leaned forward and his strange internal eyelids compressed. Colonel, he said firmly. She lowered her frill to the clear sign of aggravation that he actually responded to, stepping back with a sudden change to a clearly defensive stance. She forced herself to relax. You have not offended me, she quickly informed him. I have simply reached an impasse in my work. Ah, his head bobbed loosely and a thick neck. What's the problem? Where is the... She pressed the recording so that the sound that she could not enunciate played. Sound in the word... He gave a laugh and started to point, but then the sound of the gesture broke off midway. His face contorted and his eyelids blinked rapidly. 
The flesh-lapped sock, covering his teeth, opened and closed several times as he slowly withdrew the indicating finger. I don't know, he whispered. Where is the R sound and colonel? Then, our story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.